Welcome to Machine Learning, How the World Works. Life on Mars. Okay, with the discovery of ALH 84001, scientists believed that they had discovered the beginnings of life on Mars. But let's look at the data and analyze it and see that the jump is as big as the jump in evolution. The idea that... Um, that something randomly seeded life on Mars is both very imaginative and was given a large latitude from the uh, data. And it's very dangerous to draw conclusions from the data so quickly. Okay, there's a doctor, David McKay, and he analyzed the meteorite ALH84001 and said, there is not any one finding that leads us to believe that there was past life on Mars. Rather, it's a combination of many things that they found. These included apparently unique patterns of organic molecules, carbon compounds that are the basis of life. Okay, so when he makes that statement, he's comparing uh, what he knows as patterns of life from Earth. And he's overlaying those patterns with patterns that he's discovered from this meteorite. What is interesting to me is that the pattern matching, uh, even though they may be similar, is not conclusive. So in other words, they were not able to extract a pattern out, run it through an analyzer and find DNA or they were not able to extract out an amino acid strain or a protein strain or even a bacteria um, characteristic that was uniquely identifiable in terms of size, morphology, and behavior to something that exists on Earth. So he was taking things that he knew about primitive structures and microorganisms on Earth and overlaying it with the data that he uh, was extracting or analyzing. Now, it's interesting that he says that there is no one thing, so he admits that there isn't direct evidence of life on Mars, but that it is all uh, circumstantial or indirect, and by the pieces, he can then say there's a probability of life on ours. Mars. So, you know, from that standpoint, the story becomes maybe plausible, but not believable. And I'll cover the points why it's not believable. Um, he said, we've also found several unusual mineral phases that are known products of primitive microorganisms on Earth. So again, he's looking at these uh, microscopic fossils structures and saying, well, okay, we've seen fossils on Earth that have similar structures, and we know those are organic. We see uh, a similar structure, and we think that, that this might be uh, evidence of life. Structures that could, could be microscopic fossils seem to support this. The relation of all these things in terms of localization, meaning uh, a very narrow set of data 
within a few hundred thousandths of an inch of one another is the most compelling evidence. So he finds multiple structures, a repeat pattern. Uh, these are all mineral evidences of life. There's not an organic evidence. And he concludes that that may be possible life. Now remember in the 80s and 90s that there was always this discussion of life on Mars, uh, Martian canals, Martian pyramids, the Martian face, the Sedona face. And people were very convinced that there was possibility of life on Mars. We send a rover to Mars. It's, it stays active for, for decades collecting data. And they believe that there's, uh, from the hydrogen spectrum, they believe that there's water in the soil of Mars. And so they say, well, okay, it's got all the essence, things that are essential for life, water, gravity, light. But there's some harsh realities about life on Mars that don't make sense. First of all, they, it can experience extreme heat and extreme colds, uh, high wind temperatures, and no atmosphere. So those things uh, by itself, the fact that you have no atmosphere, you have no gases, uh, therefore there could be no surface water on Mars. So the existence of life on Mars would have to be in the soil. And that would imply that there's water in the soil. So if you, if you took a core sample and extracted that core sample and looked for water in it, then there is evidence that there would be possible, I mean, there is uh, hydrogen. So that based on that conclusion that there's water in the soil, you would expect to find water in the soil when you draw, the, when you draw out the sample. Okay, so then they get really broad in the definition of what life is. They say that the very word life is problematic. One of the great virtues of the scientific method is that experiments are reproducible. Okay, that's great. I believe in that truth also, that experiments can be re reproducible. That might sound like a strange notion when applied to the study of life itself. And so then they're saying, well, okay, can we create life in a lab? Yes, sort of. Uh, in other words, they can clone uh, a cell and create a copy of that biological structure, such as a goat, a sheep. But can they generate life from a set of amino acids? No. They have never been able to do that. They've never been able to reassemble the basic building life blocks of life, create the amino acid, create the protein, create the protein folding. Even with AlphaGo, Go, where they're talking about generating new uh, proteins that would take a billion years to discover, the generation of creation of life has not been possible from just the elements. Now, he or she doesn't have to worry about arguments about creationism and evolutionism. So he throws that in, which is very confusing. All scientists has to concern himself of is the way life develops on Earth. 
Okay, so then from the Rule 8 standpoint, what he's really saying is all he has to be concerned about is the science that can lead to money. Okay, so if you think that there's life on Mars, then you're willing to spend taxpayer money to develop rockets and robots that will travel to Mars and extract evidence of life on Mars. Now, there is an uh, article that was called ALH84001, First Fossil Proof on Mars. And again, it's strange how they uh, denote this. They call it a fossil when they have not actually identified the artifact as an art fossil. It could just be a, a mineral, mineralized structure, but they're implying that the, it is life and therefore it once lived and has been fossilized as a mineral. A fossil is the remains of any living, key word living, being preserved in rock. The such things were animals, dinosaurs, and they once lived and died. That trace has been replaced by minerals, and they may have lived millions of years ago. ALH84001 is not a fossil. It is a trace it is a trace of something that was alive and died very recently. It's a trace of something that is alive now. So that's, that's basically what they're trying to argue is, and it's not a fossil, it's, it's alive now. He said, when I examined the rock, I found evidence of teeny granules of hydrate iron oxide, more commonly known as rust. A dusting of iron oxide is the dust that is often found in every house and building in the world. Rust is one of the most common minerals on earth. I don't see what the connection is yet. Uh, McKay and co-workers found microscopic mineral grains in the carbonate mineral globules of ALH84001 grains that are similar to those produced by bacteria on Earth. Well, now, did that mean that the carbonate mineral globules were created by a bacteria? No. But see, he's using this pattern of we see a pattern on Earth, and therefore we're going to project that pattern over our data and make it fit and call these carbonate mineral Gobulos, productions of bacteria. McKay and co-workers suggest that these mineral grains in ALH84001 may have been produced by, quote, Martian bacteria. Again, another huge speculation since we have never seen Martian bacteria and there's no evidence that Martian bacteria actually existed. However, Similar mineral grains have been produced by inorganic processes. So he does admit that there could, these grains could have been produced by inorganic processes. But again, for some reason, he's really pushing fossilized uh, evidence. McKay and co-workers' analogies to earth bacteria are misleading. For instance, the grain of Grand Ignite is from a bacterium in the root planet plant root on Earth. If a formation of grain ignite 
is significant to the interaction of the bacterium and its plant host, then its formation is probably irrelevant to Mars. Okay, again, grouping this interaction with living organisms, uh, interpreting the uh, look of venulates to mean that carbonate minerals were partially dissolved, leaving holes behind. To dissolve the carbonate, the vinulets must have formed from acid water. But magnetite and grignonite can only form non-biologically from very alkaline, non-acid water. If the water were acidic, the magnetite and graninite would have dissolved or apparently partially dissolved, which they cannot. McKay and co-authors say the minerals magnetite and iron sulfites and magnesium carbonate could not have formed non-biologically. Okay, so that's their, their stance, is this is an organic formed structure. McKay and co-authors found very small quantities of organic molecules near and in the carbonate mineral globule, globules in ALH84001. These molecules called polycytic aromic hydrocarbons or PAHFs or PAHS are a group of chemicals with similar structures. The only PAH that might be familiar to non-scientists is naphthol, the chemical in mothballs. PAHSs can form during decomposition of bacteria, but can also form in many other ways. In fact, PAHs are abundant in carbonchious crondite meteorites, which are from the asteroid belt and do not ever contain life as we know it. So, again, McKay tries to make the connection to PHS to Martian bacteria. Um, if the PHSs in ALH84001 were from Earth, one might expect that they would be more abundant near the meteorite surface and less abundant deep inside. On the other hand, the PAHs were extraterrestrial. They should have been vaporized away from the meteorite surface during its fiery descent towards the Earth's atmosphere. Even though shapes look like bacteria, they may not actually be bacteria. To show the shapes could be fossil bacteria, McKay and co-authors have tried to show that bacteria shapes are actually the sizes and shapes of the known organism and that the bacteria shapes are really part of the rock and they were not produced accidentally while they were preparing the sample for study and that the bacteria shapes are not earth bacteria that they somehow wiggled into ALH84001 when it was in the Antarctic. Now, a more interesting question is, how did this meteorite or fragment of Mars end up in the Antarctic? Well, in the ancient sky, 
there were depictions uh, by the Maya and the Aztec of a collision, a planetary collision with Mars. So a comet strike hit Mars, and for several years, debris raining down from Mars looked like a giant tongue in the sky. And some of that debris, particularly this meteorite, landed up in the Antarctic. So we have to look back to ancient events of catastrophic uh, magnitude to find reasons for or explanations for how this meteorite from Mars ends up on Earth.